What's going on out there, folks? It's your boy on Twitter, Ed Hude, spelled with a U, not an O. And, of course, I got my co-host in the house with me tonight at Nick Schlegel on Twitter. This is another edition of Rounding Third Podcast on the so-called Fantasy Experts Network. Folks, sorry for the hiatus. You know, life happens sometimes. You know, us fantasy sports guys, we have real lives. Some of us don't sit behind the computer or behind our phones and tweet and write blogs day in and day out. So, on behalf of the Rounding Third Podcast, I apologize. But tonight, we're back full on effect. We're going to hit you with a little news. Of course, we got to do a little talking about D. Gordon. We'll talk about Bryce Harper, Bartolo Colon, some waiver wire junk, a sprinkling a little DFS, and uh, I don't know, anything else that my co-host wants to throw at you. So, Without further ado, let me get my co-host on the pod, Nick. Let him know. Hey, how's it going, everybody? You know, it's it, last week was like probably the worst timing for us as far as taking like a week off because you know we had the Deacon news hit with the 80 game suspension, and it's someone, you know, I was championing so hard at the beginning of the season in our first couple shows, and I mean, you were on board with everything I said, and man, that was a kick in the gut. Like I kind of felt like the whole Ryan Braun situation all over again. I just, I hate when stuff like this happens to my favorite players. Um, but, you know, it, I guess, like, now, and it's sad we've come to this point, but basically I, I break it down into two camps. If a guy acts like Andy Pettis, or Andy Pettit, excuse me, and is just like, yeah, I took steroids, man, I'm sorry. Like, I'm going to work hard to come back and get your forgiveness. And then he just goes about his business and doesn't really talk about it anymore. Like, I'm kind of okay with guys that just admit it that way and move on from it. And then I compare the other guys to, you know, Ryan Braun, who – lie and cheat and like ruined the career of that testing guy like his family the general asshole about it you know roger clemens is kind of the same way but not as bad um and so like you know d was more towards the andy pettit side of things you know he just kind of said i'm really sorry this happened um you know i'm gonna come back stronger than ever and i was just like okay d i'm really disappointed but i'll probably still cheer for you and get back but you know not even from like a fantasy perspective so much as Miami has a talented enough roster that if they could just get their shit together, they could push for a wild card. If they somehow make a wild card spot, because they're not going to win that division, but if they got a wild card spot, D is not eligible for the playoffs despite coming back, you know, before the regular season is over. I think that's a big blow. Um, to all, or Toronto, too, with Chris Calabello, not that he's that good, but that it, it, it strikes me as a promising step in the right direction that MLB is saying, okay, you know, when your suspension is up, we're going to punish you just a little further still and not let you play in the playoffs this season. Yeah, you know, it, it is very, very interesting. And it's, it almost seems like, you know, crazy to say it, that, you know, the Major League Baseball kind of has it, you know, together with the whole performance-enhancing drug suspension, um, you know, D. Gordon, obviously, last year he was, you know, batting champ. Uh, you know, it just sucks when a guy like this ends up on this list of where, you know, now there's an asterisk next to that. You know, you, you ruin something that you rightfully earn. And, you know, the same with Ryan Braun, the same with all these other guys. You know, MVPs and stuff was won. And now all of a sudden all of that's into question. And, and you can't really 
say that, oh, yeah, you did that clean. And I think that that's a big blow to the sport, and I think that's a big blow to D. Gordon. But I'm with you where you're saying, you know, he's at least apologizing and owning the fact that he did it, and he's not trying to say, you know, oh, no, I didn't do this and this and that and the other. Uh, as far as me personally, uh, you know, I own a couple of shares of D. Gordon, so it absolutely sucks from a fantasy baseball perspective where – I'm looking at my roster, and I can't do anything with them. You know, I can't put them on the DL, you know, uh, on my team. Uh, I, I can't even trade them. You know, really, I can't trade them. Uh, I think he's impossible to trade at this point. And if you own him, I, I, what I've seen is most people just drop him. You know, just flat out just drop him. And, and that seems like it's kind of the common consensus play. Obviously, if you, you play in a dynasty, there might be somebody out there that might take his services and kind of hold him on his roster for the time being. But if you're in a redraft, that's a huge blow to your fantasy team. And I don't really know how you can recover from something like that. We're talking about a guy who went in the second, third rounds in many drafts. Uh, he was off to a great start to the season so far. And then, boom, bam, uh, you know, you get hit with the suspension and it hurts your team for sure. From a personal standpoint, I don't know. I, I'm just not a fan of the cheaters. I, I, I'm just – I'm over it. I'm done with it. I'm surprised that it's still going on in baseball today. Obviously, I guess that makes me a little bit naive. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I would think that the stories that, you know, were told, especially, you know, with D. Gordon, a guy like D. Gordon, who's relatively young, you know, he grew up, you know, with the whole Barry Bonds, you know, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, you know, fiasco. Uh, and to allow yourself to get into this, some kind of a situation where uh, you're taking some substance unknowingly, uh, for me, it, it just it. I don't really have any remorse. Uh, you know, I, I'm tired of the cheaters, and you know, you, you get what you give. And you know, if you decided to take performance enhancing drugs and uh, you know, kind of tarnish your own record, uh, that's on you. You know, and you're going to have to face the consequences, and this is exactly what D. Gordon's going to have to do, and exactly what fantasy owners are going to have to do. What you should do from a fantasy owner's perspective, uh, I feel like your best bet is probably to drop them and redraft. Uh, I just don't see any kind of value uh, for either party. Even if you try to trade them to somebody else, you're essentially trading a black hole uh, for most of the season to somebody else and really hurting somebody else. And I can't see anybody else really – taking on that kind of weight. So I say just drop them. Uh, you know, D. Gordon, hopefully you get back, you come back clean, and you can start batting in the 280s, at least 290s, uh, again, and, and show people that, you know, maybe your battle batting champion of 2015 was no fluke. Well, and that's, you know, that's something that I think is a big difference for us, and I think it plays into that whole naivete you were talking about. You and I and people our age are used to the hulking beasts that were, you know, Barry Bonds 2.0, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, um, Ken Caminiti, God, like all these guys that just got so inhumanly big, you know what I mean? That's what we associate steroids with. And I think in this new era, it's, it's not about hulking up to hit 70 home runs a year. It's about coming back from that injury faster, um, being able to shave a couple seconds off of your 
time around the bases. Like it's, it's more about catching an edge instead of being dominant in one single spot now. And I think that's making it a lot harder to identify and pick out. Cause we can't just point at a guy that went from 230 pounds to 280 pounds in one off season and go, Oh, well that guy's on steroids. Cause that's not the case. Look at string bean D Gordon. Like there's nothing to him. And, but he was still taking steroids. So it's, it's kind of a new, a new era steroids 2.0, but I'm glad that MLB is doing what they can to police it. Cause I mean, I'm with you. I'm sick of it. I wish everyone would just do their thing. Um, and as far as fantasy is concerned, you know, we've talked about this before. Second base is so scarce. It's, it's already a position where the top tier is very small. And in a dynasty league, you know, yeah, you could probably find somebody that wants him, but it has to be somebody that is really desperate at second base or something like that, because you're not going to be able to get another top tier second baseman in return. Nobody's going to give up a top tier second baseman because, Oh, well, D Gordon's like one of the best because there isn't the fallback there to have your back while you wait for him to come back. And that's if he even comes back good, you know, maybe the steroids were what was doing it in that case, you know, there's just too much concern and too much unknown with this guy right now. If you're able to trade him, I don't think you're going to get the value. I say you just chalk this season up to a loss at the second base position and, you know, fill it out the best you can. But it is really hard too, especially in season long leagues where you can't put the guy on the DL, you can't, you can't really do anything with him. So I think you were right. In season-long, drop him. In Dynasty, in my opinion, I think you pretty much have to hold him unless you get some sort of trade that really helps you. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. Let's get to this next topic. Folks, I mean, unless you were living under a rock yesterday, uh, big fat Bartolo Colon hit his first career home run. Um, From a fantasy baseball standpoint, you know, pitchers don't give – give you home runs so you know we don't really get to rejoice but from a baseball standpoint um it's pretty awesome I mean here we are talking about a guy who's in his you know early 40s still out there dogging it day in and day out uh for the Mets Uh, I mean I'm surprised Bartolo Colon hasn't been tested for performance enhancing drugs uh but at the same time you know goes out there hits his first home run uh, he does his home run trot, and, you know, it was cool to see the Mets, you know, treat him, you know, kind of like how they treat the rookies when the rookies first hit their first home run. And, you know, they went into the dugout and uh, went down into the tunnel and didn't give him any love when he first came in, you know, and then all of a sudden gave him love. So I think it was definitely cool for baseball to see. Probably one of the greatest moments uh, of this baseball season, you know, short term, probably at the end of the year, we'll still be talking about Bartolo Colon. Home run. Seriously, 20 years from now, we're going to be telling our kids where we were the day Bartolo Colon <laughs> hit a home run. Like, it was just, it, it almost broke Twitter. It was, it was just so cool to see. Um, and, you know, here's another guy that we forget that got busted for steroids, got suspended for steroids. And it's like, you know, he just kind of owned it and went about his business after that. And we just kind of let it slide. Like, we just forgot about it. And it was the childlike joy on this man's face when he's doing anything. I mean, look at this guy. He's in his 40s, like you said. He weighs more than I do. I'm in better shape than this man. <laughs> and he, he fields his position better than Ryan Dempster for the Cubs, you know, which is saying a lot. And he comes out mm-hmm. here in his 246th plate appearance in his career. And it's just like this. And it was a no-doubt home run, too. And it was such a, like, nonchalant Bartolo Colon-esque swing. It was just – I mean, it was it – was, Definitely a sports highlight for Mother's Day. It was so cool to watch. Like I'm not a Mets fan. I have no interest in the Mets, but it was it was just so cool, dude. And he was 
he looked so happy. Like, it, it looked like watching a little kid, like a little, little, you know, eight to 10 year old hit like a home run and just like that awe on their face. Like, oh my God, you guys, did you see that? I just did that. And it was so cool. Like, I was so happy for him. Yep, yep, yep. Let's switch gears to fantasy baseball a little bit. Speaking about yesterday, obviously Bryce Harper uh, over the last couple of days has uh, been walked a lot. Uh, hasn't really recorded a plate appearance. Um, you know, from a fantasy baseball standpoint, you know, once you see a team use a strategy and it kind of works like the Cubs did, it only takes time to where, you know, other teams start to emulate this behavior. Uh, you know, so far, Bryce Harper, to me, reminds me of, you know, a better Barry Bonds without the juice, without the steroids. Um, and I said it on Twitter yesterday, and I stand by this 100% still, in that, you know, for the time being, I would walk Bryce Harper every fucking time. Uh, I, I just think that, you know, until he gets the quote-unquote protection uh, in that order, I mean, most days it's still Ryan Zimmerman batting behind him. Uh, you have to wonder when Dusty Baker is going to finally be like, okay, hey, let me get Daniel Murphy, who we – you know, decided to give some money to, move him up the batting order a little bit. Uh, you know, he runs out, you know, Michael Taylor most days, a leadoff. Uh, you know, there's just nothing there in the lineup right now as far as hot hitters. You know, Jason Worth is very sporadic. Uh, so I think this is a strategy that might be, you know, kind of the new hack-a-shack kind of thing. You know, just walk Bryce Harper and deal with the rest of the lineup, uh, you know, however see fit. So, from a fantasy baseball standpoint, what do you do if you have Bryce Harper? And this is kind of like a a thing now where, you know, maybe teams start walking him more. Uh, you know, obviously if you're in an on-base percentage league, this is fan-fucking-tastic, but not all of us are in on-base percentage leagues and, you know, kind of need those counting stats that we were counting on him, Bryce Harper. You know, obviously I think he still gets to that 40 home run plateau, but – you know, with the walks going up and more teams, you know, kind of feeling more inclined to just walk them and let the chips fall where they may uh, and not letting Bryce Harper beat you, are you concerned? Uh, is this something to where you're like, maybe I can move Bryce Harper now, kind of sell high and pick some players where they're actually going to get play appearances that can – somehow be more productive than getting walked or intentionally walked or hit by pitches uh, and, and having to hope for Bryce Harper to get you stolen bags and, and runs instead of home runs and RBIs. You know, it, honestly, as, as a season-long fantasy owner, I, I only was lucky enough to get the number one overall pick once. So I only have one Bryce Harper share. But in general, um, I'm worried. I guess I'm not going to sell just yet. I want to see if other teams adopt this strategy against him. But you're right. I mean, there's no protection in this lineup. Ryan Zimmerman is hitting like an old man. Um, Wilson Ramos is honestly the best hitter on the team right now besides Bryce Harper, the most consistent. Um, it's not like you can put him behind Bryce Harper, though, really. Um, it's disconcerting, you know. This is a person that in season long you put pretty much all of your chips into. And, I mean, even in DFS, this is a guy like Gronk that I literally every day am like, just spend whatever the top dollar is on Bryce Harper. Do it. Maybe not now. You know, if this continues, we could see an early 2000s Barry Bonds, you know, 200-plus walks in a season-type scenario that's going to 
kill any sort of fantasy value he has. If he can't swing the bat at all, you're getting nothing out of him. Um, you know, if it's a, a stats league head-to-head, you, you're getting batting average. That's about it. That's, that's not enough for me. But who's going to trade for him, too? Hoping he busts out of it? I mean, it's not like he can step across the plate and hit the pitches that are there. It's, man, it's, it's a real rock and a hard place situation. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, at least the, I guess, glimmer of hope in this whole situation is that, you know, Bryce Harper's still pretty young, uh, so there's he's still not afraid to swipe a bag or two. So even if this does become kind of the norm, uh, you know, expect, you know, an uptick in stolen bases, in, an uptick in runs. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because obviously the on-base percentage and the batting average won't dip. Uh, but this is not what you bought Bryce Harper for, folks. You know, you bought him, you wanted 50 home runs that came with him, and hopefully Dusty Baker figures something out with this lineup where they make some kind of a trade to get somebody in there to give him some kind of protection because Lord knows he's going to need it. If if this is going to be the norm, uh, I don't know. I'm glad I don't own any shares of Bryce Harper, uh, but unfortunately I own shares of D Garden, so I, I guess I'm – I'm not really in that great of a place to begin with. No, that's, it sucks either way for you, apparently. Um, <laughs> s- switching gears to our you know, usual look at the waiver wire this week, since we missed it last week, um, quite a few guys for me pouring over the numbers on ESPN that just criminally underowned. And I don't know if it's just like there's so many ESPN leagues get, get set up and abandoned that it skews the numbers. But, you know, I, I looked just finally getting curious enough at like Yahoo and CBS and Flea Flicker and a couple other like hardcore sites. And honestly, it's kind of the same across the board. People just really hang on to players they don't need for far too long. And, you know, conversely, don't pick up the guys they need. So I found quite a few guys that I really liked for this week. Um, at the top of the list, Tyler Chatwood in Colorado, he's kind of emerged as, you know, their de facto ace, but uh, through the weekend, he's 4-2 and two with 27 strikeouts, which isn't a ton, but it's good numbers. Uh, an ERA under 2.2 and a 1.1 whip. Uh, and he's literally the best pitcher in Major League Baseball on the road with a .33 ERA. Uh, I, for me, he is a great streaming option when they're not at home. You know, I'm not trying to start any Rockies pitcher at home ever. Um, but Chatwood on the road, he's been super low-priced in DFS. You know, in season-long leagues, he's been amazing on the road, 14 and one-third scoreless innings, and he's only owned in about 20% of leagues. So if you're in need of a pitcher, um, I think Chatwood is a really, really good streaming option if you're the kind of manager that can stay on top of home-and-away starts and things like that. Um, another guy I really, really liked, uh, one of my brewers, one of the only bright spots, <laughs> Jonathan Villar, the shortstop. I think he just fell so out of love with people um, because of that terrible season with the Astros that people are just kind of written him off. But he sits safely in seven of his last eight games, um, nine for 24 in that span. He, he's hitting well. He's hitting in the leadoff spot most days. Um, you know, he doesn't play every single day, so you kind of got to watch to see when he's playing. But another really good option, especially with quite a few struggling middle infielders lately, um, only owned at 23%. You know, I like both of them probably at the top of my list. I like Villar a lot. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers were in town over the weekend. So I uh, got to see him a little up close and personal watching some of these games. But uh, he was a guy that I mentioned in my DFS column uh, last Friday over at FantasySixPack.net where uh, he's stealing bags. You know, you mentioned that he's leading off for the Brewers, and he's, he's getting stolen bases. 
and finding some cheap speed on the waiver wire uh, is really hard to come by uh, these days. You know, a lot of people aren't really, you know, being pegged as, you know, this is a guy that you can get for steals. I think this is a guy that you can get for steals as long as they're comfortable with batting him at leadoff, and it seems like they are. Uh, I think he's been batting leadoff for like eight out of the last like nine games, uh, and he's gotten a stolen base at like six out of the last eight. So um, with, with Lamar, I, I, I like the fact that he's hitting atop that lineup. Uh, you know, obviously hitting in front of Braun is always a good thing uh, for most days. Uh, when the Brewers decide to show up. But cheap speed at a position, shortstop, where, you know, and, and in some leagues, uh, you know, he's eligible at third base as well. So getting him, you know, at an infield spot, getting this cheap speed while he's hitting the baseball, you know, he has an on-base percentage of 380 over the last week, which isn't bad. Uh, you know, you wish the strikeouts would come down and wish he would walk a little bit more. But as long as he's getting on base somehow, some way, and he's getting these stolen bases, uh, I definitely think he's one of the premier ads for the week. Chatwood, on the other hand, uh, I think I'm kind of with you uh, in that, you know, right now, why not pick up this guy and especially start him on the road? Um, You know, obviously, we're going to have to see maybe two or three starts to see how he handles himself at home of whether or not this is just some kind of, you know, outliner season or if he's really having kind of a great season and finally putting it together. You know, you look at his numbers, and obviously, you know, most of his stats when he's in the majors comes when he was in Colorado. And, you know, the ERA and all that stuff, it's just not pretty. But the strikeouts can be there. And I think that as long as he's – striking out people, he's definitely worth the ad, especially starting on the road. So I'm with you there, man. You know, another guy I was looking at, and this, I kind of got burned by him last season, so I was a bit worried about it, but really digging into the numbers, I think he's a really solid ad is Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, sort of always been pegged as a light hitter. Um, you know, always more of a top prospect for his defensive prowess than his uh, offensive capabilities, but he's only 26% owned. He's been on a tear lately. 12-game hitting streak, he's rated his OPS 200 points in that time frame. Um, 15 home or 15 RBIs, excuse me, and three home runs. Um, he, he's playing well. Uh, looking at the numbers, he's consistent. He's swinging the bat better, uh, more control in the zone. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of factors coming together here that point to this being not a short-term thing, not something that's going to taper out. Like, I really think he's found his stride finally. Um, and, you know, without field being sort of a – touch-and-go position where you're uh, swapping guys out all the time. I think he's a really, really good add, and he's criminally under-owned. So, I mean, if you can sneak him in there on your – get him in there and drop somebody that's really not performing for you, um, you can really get one up on your league mates. Uh, sort of the same goes for Jordy Mercer, the shortstop for uh, Pittsburgh. Um, he hits leadoff against left-handed pitchers, and he kills it. So far this season, he's 10 for 19 with a home run, two RBIs and four runs. Um, and I mean, even overall, not just against left-handers, he's hitting 302 um, with 13 runs and, R- and RBIs. So I mean, this guy's on fire. Um, he's basically the other leadoff hitter when John Jaso isn't hitting leadoff. So for me, you know, if I'm watching the lineups, I'm definitely playing him every single day. He's in the leadoff spot. But even not, if you need help in middle infield at shortstop, um, I checked at least on ESPN. He's also eligible at second base. So really good ad there. 
for 34% ownage. I mean, way less than 40%. You can definitely go out there and scoop him up. And then one more guy that I love, and I was waiting, you know, I wanted to give him another week before I talked about him, which is nice considering we had an off week, so it worked. Uh, Brandon Drury for Arizona, dude. This kid has started um, eight games at four different positions. Now he's hit safely in eight of his last 10 games. Um, he's been on fire. He's got protection with Paul Goldschmidt right behind him in the lineup. He even hit leadoff a couple times. Um, you know, this is a Arizona team that has a lot of players that play everywhere. I read on Twitter right before we started the show tonight, their outfield consisted of a third baseman, uh, a shortstop, and a catcher. So, you know, they're definitely willing to call up their top prospects that are kind of jammed at one position and put them somewhere else. Uh, so I love this kid. He is 51% owned, so a little higher than most. But if you strike out on Bradley and somehow Drury's still there, you know, grab him, definitely. Yeah, I definitely like Drury. Uh, he's definitely getting the playing time. Uh, obviously, like you said, you know, they're just bringing these guys up. A bat's a bat. We'll get them out there somehow, some way. And I think you'll see a lot more clubs go to this direction because of the fact that um, a lot of these guys, you know, they get these million-dollar contracts and, you know, their skills depreciate. And teams, they still want to be competitive. You know, not every team wants to be a complete shit show. And it seemed like the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, especially this year, kind of were – the Cubs from, you know, two years or a year ago where, you know, they kind of put all their eggs in the basket. And it's, now it's put up or shut up time. So bringing a guy up like a like Brandon Drury uh, is definitely a good play for the Diamondbacks. I mentioned him also in my article last Friday as well because, you know, he's been on fire uh, when he's gotten the play in time, like you mentioned. Uh, I think he hit a home run yesterday. Uh, he hit a home run over the weekend. Uh, so he's definitely getting the playing time. Uh, poor for our, our buddy from two weeks ago in Jake Lamb. But it looks like they're trying to get Jake Lamb some playing time as well. So it's definitely an interesting situation. The Diamondbacks are presenting themselves. Uh, but it looks like Drury is definitely getting playing time. Uh, they'll put him at third. They'll put him in the outfield. Uh, they'll put him at second. So I I like him as a, an ad especially the other guys, uh, I think Jackie Bradley Jr. for me more, I guess, presents more of an intriguing option just due to the fact that, you know, Haley Ramirez kind of often sees himself on DL, often on DL. It seems like every other day Haley Ramirez gets, you know, the late scratch for the Boston Red Sox. So it's just only a matter of time where Jackie Bradley Jr. kind of carves into more of playing time, uh, you know, having more of a prominent role in this offense. Uh, as long as they have Mookie Betts healthy, he probably won't see the day of light atop the order. But hitting at the bottom of the order is not bad either, considering that Mookie Betts hits as many home runs as he does. So uh, I like the ad of Jackie Bradley Jr. It's Jordy Mercer and the John Jaso, uh, I guess, kind of go as a pair. Uh, I would say, you know, Jordy Mercer is kind of more of the Swiss Army knife version, considering, you know, he's eligible at shortstop. Um, but I kind of like John Jaso as well. I don't know what his ownership numbers are, but kind of the same with the both of them, where if any of them are hitting the top of that order, you kind of pluck them in your DFS lineup and just kind of just roll with the punches. It seems like when Mercer is hitting up top of the lineup, He's producing, he's getting on base, he's getting runs, he's stealing bases. And then John Jaso, I have no idea what's going on with this redhead. 
Uh, first off, white people, stop it, okay? No more, <laughs> no more of this John Jaso stuff. Do not get inspired by what's going on over here, okay? But John Jaso, he's going out there. He's hitting home runs atop the order as well. So very interesting situation. Obviously, it's something you're going to have to monitor day in and day out uh, who's hitting in top of the order. But if you can get both of them and kind of, you know, play them, you know, in and out every single day, I, right now it looks like you got yourself a solid 300 hitter uh, that's probably going to hit about 20 home runs for you. So uh, I like both of them. But if I had to choose out of the four, I definitely like Brandon Jury the most. I think he definitely is criminally on our own. Uh, at 51%, he should be up in the 80% by now because this is a guy that the Diamondbacks have called up, said he's going to get playing time, and it looks like he's going to get a bunch of playing time. So go out there, go get him, folks. I feel like sometimes we should, like, I try to just disagree with you just to make things more interesting, but I really can't. It's, it's solid advice, people. Listen to my boy over here. Um, on the flip side of things, speaking of our dude D. Gordon, Still 55% owned in season-long leagues. Why, people? Why? Why? We just gave you VR and Jordy Mercer. Like, go drop D. Gordon and pick up one of these people. It's ridiculous. I feel like the problem is the people that are listening to our show are not that 55%. So, like, we need to get – we need to touch base with this 55% somehow because this is ridiculous. Like, I just don't understand it at all. Um, and a more – like, seriously, though, Carlos Beltran has been ass for the Yankees as of late. Um, he's eight for 44, uh, and the Yankees face a really, really tough matchup this week. Um, matchups this week, excuse me. You know, that's, he's a drop for me at this point. There's just, we know we, we named two better outfielders. I can think of probably five, uh, basically any decent outfielder that plays almost every day that's on the waiver wire is better option than Carlos Beltran at this point. The Yankees in, you know, in general lineup is just ass. And there's no protection. There's no guarantee from anybody. So I'm kind of steering clear of all of them. Um, you know, and I read, I was reading a couple articles that even made good cases for Mark Teixeira being a drop too. You know, some people might be a little too highly invested in him to do that, but I could get behind it. Um, and Tyler White from Houston, um, a guy we were kind of high on. You know, we liked him. He's really regressed, um, not playing as much. Uh, pretty highly owned still. I say drop him, go grab Chris Carter, Travis Shaw, or Will Myers. All of those guys are 70, 30 to 70% owned, depending. Um, and maybe not the greatest producers every day, but still better options than Tyler White. Yeah, it's kind of sad with Tyler White, but I think, you know, the writing was on the wall with uh, him where, you know, he was also a hot start. You really can't sit a hot bat when, once it's that white hot. Uh, and now that he's kind of calmed down, you've seen him uh, getting less playing time and Luis Valblanas getting a little bit more playing time. Uh, and that's a little bit more, a little bit unfortunate, but you're exactly right. You know, a guy like Chris Carter is out there on the waiver wire probably. Uh, he's not going to play every day, but more times than not when he does play, uh, he's kind of in that, like, Brandon Moss territory where, you know, especially if, you know, the matchup's right, he's almost guaranteed to hit a home run for you. Uh, the power's just that raw. So uh, at least go get somebody with, some kind of a playing time right now because Tyler White's is probably not going to get it. Uh, and as they're comfortable with rolling Luis Valbuena out there, uh, it's probably the door is probably closing on Tyler White uh, until an injury happens. Now uh, switching sides just a little bit. Uh, we're going to take a look at some DFS guys for the week. Um, you know, lots, lots of favorable matchups with some pretty good value built in. 
the first, basically the whole team, the Diamondbacks, man, uh, especially their lefties, six straight matchups against right-handed pitchers this week, including three games at Coors Field. And even though they play San Francisco, they get to avoid the heavy guns and go up against junk ballers like Jake Peavy and Matt Cain. Um, so I like all of the lefties in Arizona's lineup. But, I mean, in general, Drury, who we just talked about, David Peralta will probably, you know, benefit the most. Jake Lamb, Yasmani Thomas, and, of course, even Gene Segura, who's not a lefty. Um, I think all of these guys should be in your lineups this week, uh, basically every game. Um, really, really favorable matchups, really solid low prices on almost everybody there. Segura, pretty much the only one that's not. But even him, this week, worth the premium price at shortstop for me. Um, another guy that you know has been kind of hot and cold this year, uh, it seems like most of the time, every time someone recommends him to me, he does really poorly that day, and then the next day he gets a really good game. But Jonathan Shoup with Baltimore, um, right now he's on a 10-game hitting streak. He, uh, three of his four home runs and nine of his 11 RBIs have come against right-handed pitchers. Um, and he faces all righties this week with Baltimore. So another really good option there. Um, at shortstop, Eldemis Diaz in St. Louis. You know, I know he's been on a bit of a cold streak. A lot of people are starting to bench him, uh, not play him as much. But I like it. His price has dropped. Um, and he's facing pitchers this week with an average ERA of 5.5, a combined 8-10 and 10 record. Um and between the Angels and the Dodgers, he avoids all the big guns. It's, I think it's a really favorable matchup for him to bounce back and hit really well, um, especially towards the top of that lineup. And then a guy I talked about earlier when we were talking about Bryce Harper, Wilson Ramos. Um, he had LASIK eye surgery, um, which I've read a few articles about him now. He's seeing the ball like a thousand times better. Uh, but he just returned from bereavement leave recently uh, and has been on a tear, 11 for 24, uh, a home run in five RBIs, and he has really easy matchups in four of six games. Uh, Jordan Zimmerman and Jose Fernandez about the only ones to exclude in that. And then if you're looking for second base help, Logan Forsythe, man, he's been on a tear lately. He has super, super favorable matchups against Seattle and Oakland. Um, King Felix is like the only roadblock there. He's hitting leadoff, and this season so far he's hitting for power and average. A couple stolen bases, so I really like all of these guys this weekend. Pretty much all of them, I think, outside of maybe – Segura, like all of these guys are not top ten priced. Yeah, and, uh, even with Segura though, he's not even like you know the top five on on most sites. So that's uh, there's some value that can be had there. Uh, when he was a little bit white hot there to start the season, he was finding himself up there with the Carlos Correas of the world and. Then you were just kind of like, oh, this is silly. I'm spending too much money on Gene Segura, but now definitely come back. I agree with you completely where, you know, a lot of the Diamondbacks hitters do present great value. I know Thomas uh, is definitely one of them where, you know, he's going to be batting in the four hole on most days, uh, if not the five hole. And he's definitely kind of in that, you know, top 40, top 50 range uh, of outfielders on FanDuel. So I think a guy like that, especially this week, yeah, maybe the hand's not right, but you know, the batting order is, and I think that he can definitely be a solid production uh, for your DFS lineups. Shoop, he's an interesting one. I, I feel like he's always that weird guy that a lot of people like to plug into their DFS lineups uh, and, and just kind of as a sneaky play. He's usually very, very cheap at second base. Uh, you know, he hits towards the bottom of the order, which helps, you know, kind of keep his price down because he's never going to hit higher than six in the order. Uh, but, 
he does get on these little streaks where, you know, he starts hitting home runs and he becomes kind of this value, de facto value play at second base on most sites. Uh, if he's hot right now, and especially if they're going up against a left-hander, uh, although it doesn't really matter, uh, you know, looking deep into his numbers, uh, he hits righties a little bit better than he does hit lefties. But at the same time, he's getting the playing time for the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, when he does get the playing time, he does kind of hit for power. So I'm with you on that one. Uh, the Diaz thing is a little bit tricky uh, because he's cooled off and because Tejado's come back from injury. Uh, it's kind of a situation where, you know, they'll play Tejado, they'll play Diaz. I think it's hard for either of these two to kind of get hot. Uh, and they're throwing in Gorko trying to get him at bats too. So it's kind of a clusterfuck situation for the St. Louis Cardinals at the shortstop position. Uh, until it kind of clears itself up, I guess if you own Diaz, especially in a dynasty, you're holding him. But if you own him in a redraft, I think he's probably droppable and probably not a safe DFS target for the week, just considering you don't really know what's going to happen from day to day. But if you're sitting at home, you get to look at the lineups before they drop, and you get to tinker with your lineup a little bit. If he's available, I do like plugging him into my lineups. He definitely has the upside, a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed. And when he hits towards the top of the lineup, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer at that point. Uh, Wilson Ramos has always been kind of a fun catcher for me uh, as far as, you know, you kind of know what you're going to get out of Wilson Ramos. He's going to hit, you know, singles, doubles. He's kind of in a favorable situation in the batting lineup. Most days hitting fifth or sixth. Uh, So I like that as well. Foresight? I don't know about Foresight. You know, I, I just don't really know anything about these Tampa Bay Rays to where I think I actually give a shit. Um, ever since Joe Madden left, I just I don't, I don't care anymore. I don't care about anything the Tampa Bay Rays are doing anymore. I don't know if that's a bad thing, if that's bad on, on my part. But um, Foresight, you know, now that I'm looking at the numbers, he has probably been the only Ray that's been doing anything <laughs> worth noting uh, this whole season. Uh, Longo's been here and there, you know, sprinkled in throughout. But for the most part, you know, Matt Moore hasn't been himself. Chris Archer hasn't been himself. Uh, so at least Foresight has definitely provided some kind of a happiness uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays. But I don't know if he's going to be out there too much longer, folks. So if you're sleeping uh, and he's available, which he probably shouldn't be at this point in your seasonals, uh, go out there and go get him. And DFS, he's always very attractively priced, and you hit the nail on the head uh, where, you know, especially at second base, a position where, you know, most of the time you're punting away, uh, you know, as far as just trying to squeeze in these other bats. Foresight is a great, great value play on most days, especially now that he seems like he's getting the playing time where in years past, uh, he was kind of getting switched in and out every other day. It seems like he's locked in. He's got his spot at the top of the order, and he he can just go play, which is a good thing for him. Absolutely. You know, it's so funny that you're looking at it. You're like, well, he's the only one really worth giving a shit over. But, I mean, it's true. Um, I You know, I guess I still pay a little attention to them enough just to know who to start and who to not. Um, but he's really the only Ray I'm, I'm messing with in daily right now. And I, But you're right, especially with second base, I think – 
you know, you're always trying to squeeze in that really good first baseman, that really good third baseman, um, that really good outfielder, you know, the Bryce Harpers, the Arenados, the Rizzos, the Donaldsons. But, I mean, when do you ever hear somebody say, oh, man, I just I got to build this lineup around Altuve? Not that Altuve is doing badly, but second base isn't really a position you ever build around. So I think it's one of those ones where you're really trying to always squeeze the most value you can out of a punt play. Um, switching sides to some duds to avoid this week, uh, my dude Corey Seager for the Dodgers uh, has actually been hitting better recently. Um, he's up that average a bit to 255 now. Um, really, really tough matchups this week, though, against the Mets and then the Cardinals. We've touched on a number of shortstops that are better options. You know, and daily, I'm just I'm steering clear, especially because he's pretty highly priced most of the time still, which I don't like. Uh, and maybe I've, I've been playing DraftKings a lot more lately, so I don't know if it's just there. But it seems like the last couple of weeks he's been just way too highly priced for my liking. Um, we touched on this with uh, with what's his face, Carlos Beltran, a little bit. But the Yankees hitters, man, they're ass. <laughs> they're just ass, ass, ass. And tough, tough match this week. Ian Kennedy, Chris Sale, Jose Quintana, and Carlos Rondon. Um, man, I'm just steering clear of these guys. You know, um, Starling Castro maybe in in some head-to-head leagues where shortstops kind of short but again that's more on the you know the yearly side on dfs i'm i'm not playing any yankees this week and then the astros hitters they they're all as a collective besides el tuve and maybe correa kind of playing like shit um we touched on tyler white in his seven for 35 streak colby rasmus is seven for 44 really really tough matchups for that whole team across the board so outside of maybe el tuve and correa which, again, you can save a little money and maybe get better production this week at those positions. I'm steering clear of pretty much all the Yankees and Astros hitters. Yeah, the Yankees are just hot ass. I just I don't really know how to explain their team. Um, I know that George Steinbrenner is probably rolling around in his grave, uh, very, very angry because of the fact that they've become this this thing. Um they're just old. They're just an old, dirty team. No one cares about them. Uh, although Brian McCann, I guess there is a, kind of a DFS spot where, you know, during the week you find yourself putting a Yankee in your lineup. It might be McCann, especially against right-handers. Uh, but you're right. You know, there's not much outside of maybe A-Rod on a fluke day where you're throwing Yankees into your lineups these days. Uh Corey Seager, it's definitely difficult to watch him struggle right now, considering also, you know, that the L.A. Dodgers don't really have anything else going on uh, at that position. So he's kind of just he's got to go through it. He's just got to go through it. I, I think they could probably slide Justin Turner over if they really wanted to, but I don't think they're going to do that. Um, and then, you know, with the Astros, and this is something I kind of hit on when we started the podcast uh, to start the year where, you know, I really wasn't a fan of this Astro team. I thought they, you know, they kind of outperformed uh, what they did a year ago. Obviously, Altuve is a different story, and I'm totally stoked that Altuve is playing the way that he's playing. You know, uh, shout out for the little guys out there in the world. But at the same time, you know, the rest of this Astro team – it's a worse version of the Nationals where, you know, you have Carlos Correa batting in the three-hole and you got Altuve batting in the one-hole. And then, you know, you look at the rest of the lineup and it's just like, you know, the, they can have fluky days. You know, Colby Rasmus can get hot every now and then. Uh, but I don't see any kind of consistency within this lineup from day to day. And, you know, if I own Correa and I own Altuve, you know, 
I'm excited. It's nice, but I have to wonder uh, whether or not, you know, they're going to reach their numbers from a year ago. You know, probably Altuve is more of a safe candidate uh, to duplicate the success that he's had over the last couple of years. But Carlos Correa can really, really struggle, uh, and he has been struggling here as of late with the fact that, you know, the four hitters and the two hitters in the lineup just aren't that great for the Astros. So, uh not necessarily duds, but, I mean, you look at the DFS sites, day in, day out, Carlos Correa is the number one shortstop, and Altuve is probably nine times out of ten the number one second baseman. So you're right, you know, there's value to be had elsewhere. Until this Astros team starts hitting like the team from a year ago, uh, I would just avoid those two players, and you can find the same amount of production uh, probably elsewhere for cheaper. Well, all right, folks. That's all for us today on the Rounding Third Podcast. Of course, I got my co-host in the house with me tonight at Nick Schlegel over on Twitter. Make sure you guys go over there and follow him. Folks, this has been another edition of this show on the so-called Fantasy Experts Network. Uh, folks, make sure you check out your boy at Hootay on Twitter, spelled with a U, not an O. Make sure you go check out my stuff over on FantasySixPack.net and xnsports.com and fantasypros.com. Folks, have a great, blessed week. We'll hit you next week. We promise. Peace. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out socalledfantasyexperts.com for rankings, strategies, tips, DFS content, other podcasts, and more.